Go back, if you would, please, to the book of Job, uh, chapter 23 and verse 10. Once, um, i pick up where I left off yesterday. I told Pastor Van Gelder it's kind of a, a strange to preach one message in two days. So we'll try to take up where we left off. Uh, and once I heard God's word, and God's word smoked my heart, and I called my dad and got that settled, and uh, even though he said, well, I'm glad to hear that, and went on, I knew that for me there had to be a healing process. And there's only one place that you'll ever go for the healing process, and it's the Lord, because He is our healer, and He is our strength. And I wish I could tell you that in two days I was fine, but that was not the case. It was a long, long process. And even today, even though I have been healed by God's amazing grace, uh, there'll be some, somebody will say something and it'll, memories will flood back. Uh, I don't hurt anymore, but it, it's still part of your life. It'll always be part of your life. You can use it to do one of two things. You can use it to draw you closer to Christ, or you can use it as a crutch. If you use it as a crutch, you will never be healed. But if you allow God to give you victory over it, He will. I'm going to look at some things this morning from the book of Job. Uh, in the book of 1 Peter, we'll go there after a while. There are seven reasons that believers suffer in the book of 1 Peter. We cannot cover all those today, but we'll look at two of them. And that's part of the coming forth as gold. We'll read the verse, we'll pray, and we'll begin. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. That is a very important verse for everyone or anyone who's ever gone through any type of, type of abuse. So let's pray and we'll look at the book. Father, we thank you for Calvary and the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the redemption, the healing, the mercy, the grace that we have through you, Lord Jesus. So we ask this morning, Father, that thy spirit would speak to our hearts. You know every heart. You know every need. I do not. And therefore, Lord, we ask that the Spirit of God would take your word this morning and apply it to hearts uh, where you see it's needed by thy power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's very important to understand that if you've gone through any kind of abuse or any kind of, uh, whether we said yesterday, whether it be from spiritual, however it might be, there has to be healing time, and there has to be some understanding of who God is, and that God has a perfect plan and a perfect will for your life. God tells us in the book of Isaiah, they're written on His hands, we're written on His heart, He loves us. But when you're going through abuse sometimes, you push God aside, because how could a God who's loving allow me to go through this? So one of the verses that God used in my life, and I just want to share some verses with you that God used in my life to help me, come to a point of having victory over my past. Uh, Brother Van Gelder mentioned different generation. I'm several back, you know, but the book is still the same. It's still God's Word, and God still works in our hearts. Now, we're all different. We're all made up different. But yet, the Spirit of God and the Word of God who knows our heart can apply it to our life. Keep your finger right where you were, but go to the book of Malachi. One of the things that I began to see after I was in the Word of God, that God understood and knew where I was, and He watched that. Now, you think about why would God do that? Well, it wasn't God's will that I'd be treated like that. It's not, and that's not God's will. But God can use that if we allow Him to. When I began to be healed, God put this verse in my heart. I want you to look at verse 3 of Malachi chapter 3. And He shall sit as a refiner and purger of silver, 
And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. Now notice the word that. They may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. The word that struck me is the word sit. My cousin in West Virginia was a glass blower. And uh, I'd watched him many times. He'd get the heat just at the right temperature. He'd pull the glass out. He began to blow it, and he would begin to put it in water, different temperatures to make exactly what he had planned. And he would sculpture that glass uh, with it blowing through that long tube and, and instruments to just mold it into what he wanted. And we have to understand something. Even though things happen to you in your life, all of us at times in our life, I'm not perfect, I've, I've failed God, I've been out of His will early in my Christian life, and, uh, but you know, but God was a refiner, He's watching, and He knows the vessel that He wants to make, and the thing is, He is the potter, we are the clay, and He's going to make us according to His will if we will allow Him. So we can either realize that the refiner has sitting, he's watching, he knows, he understands. See, the problem that you and I have, we cannot see the finished product. We cannot see what God wants to do with our lives. Uh, I never thought I'd be a pastor. I never thought I'd be anything. But God has a plan. So as the Lord is the sitting over the refining process of our life, we have to do several things to allow him to do his work. We cannot chafe at him. You know, uh, the potter's house has a lot of broken clay behind it. And you and I are either going to be there or we're going to be on the potter's wheel being molded into the vessel that God would have us to be. Now, in the book of Job, there are several things that God put on my heart. Now, you ask me uh, why the book of Job is special to me. Uh, because God used it to help me. He may not use the book of Job in your life. He may use other verses, but God used it in my life to help me heal. I did not ever tell anyone until I told my wife about what I'd been through. I did not go to some counselor and say, would you help me? I'm pastoring a church. I, the people are looking to me for leadership, and I'm struggling in my own life. So I have to find help from God. God is the only one that I can go to and find what I need. God showed me this. I want you to go to Job, and I want you to look at chapter 13 and verse 15. Chapter 13 and verse 15. Here's a very important truth that Job said. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain my own ways before him. In other words, Job said, I trust God. I've lost everything, but I trust God. And he said, I'm going to maintain my own ways. And that, that simply means that, that he said, I'm not going to lose my integrity. We saw that earlier when he said, his wife said, curse God and die. Job had to retain his integrity. And listen, you and I must trust him. God is never going to do anything in our lives that's not good for us, that's not a help for us, that's not a blessing for us. So I have to look back and I say, Okay, I went through the sufferings, I went through the trials, I went through the difficulties. What were they for? How is God going to use them in my life? Did I enjoy them? No. Would I go want to go through them again? No. Would I want to put anyone through that? No. But the thing is, I'm going to have to allow God, by trusting Him, use that in my life to be a help 
and to be a servant to God. I can't deny it, so I have to accept it, but I have to trust God to know that He is my grace and He is my strength, He is my help, and He is my comfort. I want you to go back, if you would please, to chapter 5 and verse 9. I'm not going to be able, because of time, to elaborate on all these verses, but God used them so greatly uh, in my life. In verse 8 of chapter 5 of the book of Job, Job, these statements were made. And he says uh, in verse 8, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. See, if we're going to gain divine healing, as I said before when the pastor preached on the broken uh, box, the alabaster box that was broken, uh, only then can the Holy Spirit be released from a broken vessel as we yield our heart and yield our life to the Lord, and He began to teach us. So I, I realized that I couldn't handle this on my own. So I began to really seek God. And I don't mean uh, looking up messages to preach. I mean I sought God's heart and God's mind and God's will and God's direction. And I told the Lord after I began to seek Him in this verse, unto God would I commit uh, my cause. In other words, I have to turn this over to God so that God can make good out of what I went through. See, I was angry. I was bitter. I hated people. I, didn't, I hated God. I hated my family. I hated people. And God had to mold me so I had to commit my cause to Him. What allowing God to do in His sight what He is good, knowing that's good for me. Here's the thing. We can have a lot of plans, and we can go a lot of directions. But if our cause is not committed unto God, and He is not the source of our strength and our power, we'll never be healed. We'll never have victory. We'll never have power. So I had to commit this unto God. I wish I could tell you that my life had been easy after that. It has not. I moved, I changed to, um, the Lord sent me to another church. And uh, when I went to that church, that was a, you know, uh, people tell you a lot of things. Deacons tell you a lot of things. When you get there, it was our four no more. And uh, so I, I got mad again. You know, the people didn't want to do anything, and I wanted to do something. And so God had to help keep teaching me. But the thing is, I trusted him. He sent me there, and he taught me there. And when I went back and preached years ago, I said, this is a church that taught me more than any church I've ever pastored. Now, they don't know what that meant. But I do. I mean, the deacon told me, well, we believe that we ought to keep the preacher poor and keep him humble. And they did a good job. And so the thing is simply this. God had to teach me that my cause became his cause. And his cause became my cause. And you have to come to the end of yourself to do that. So when you go to the Word of God, you seek the mind of God and the heart of God and the will of God from the Word of God, God's going to give us his leadership, His healing, His mercy, His grace. I'm a very stubborn person. I'm a very strong-willed person. And I've always felt like, listen, I can push through this thing. I can get over this. I can do this. God had to show me I cannot, and I could not, and I was not. So His grace, as I committed my cause to Him, began to give me strength and understanding and guidance and direction uh, from my life. Look, if you would, at, at chapter 12, and uh, look at verse 13 here in the book of Job. 
And I want you to notice what God says in uh, chapter 12 and verse 13. With him, with our heavenly Father, is wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. Here's the thing. Once I learned to begin to trust God, because I'd already said I'm never trusting anybody again. And once I got saved, I began to trust God. I wish I could tell you it happened overnight. It was not. It was a process. So when you go through, while this trying part, he knows the way that I take. He's the refiner that's watching over our life. But when you go through the trials, that's where, as someone said one time, the rubber meets the road. That's where you have to decide who's going to be in charge of my life. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to commit my cause to Him? Am I going to rely on Him? Or am I going to try to handle this on my own? Listen, pride will make you try to handle it on your own. It will make you think that, hey, this is just something I've been through and I can handle it. But you cannot. Uh, people are never going to understand what a person has gone through unless you've been there. That's the only way you can do it. But you're not going to go through everything in life. You're not going to suffer everything in life. So you have to allow the Spirit of God, if you're going to help somebody, you have to allow the Spirit of God to teach you and to instruct you because God knows the heart and mind of people. So I learned this, with Him is wisdom. I had to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need your wisdom for this. I don't have any wisdom, I don't have knowledge, I don't have any understanding. And, you know, the, the thing that was so hard for me is I was having people coming to me in my church that had knees, and, man, I'm struggling. And I thought, Lord, what am I doing here as a pastor? I can't even help myself, much less help these folks. But God gave me wisdom, His wisdom, not my wisdom. Because, listen, our wisdom is of man. God's wisdom can touch the hearts and lives of people. And when you go through some suffering, you need the wisdom of God to have discernment to know how to handle the hurt and the pain and the difficulty that you're facing and you're suffering. He says this also, and strength. You know, uh, when you're taught all your life that your strength is in yourself, Men do not cry, men are not weak, men stand on their own two feet, men do not give in, men are not weak. Well, you know, when you come to the Word of God, you find just the opposite. Paul said, when I am weak, I'm strong. Why is that true? Because as we trust God and commit our cause to Him, and we begin to rely on His wisdom and His understanding and His knowledge, and He gives us of His strength. I love the portions in the book of Ephesians where it's talking about being strengthened in the inner man by the Spirit of God. That's where our strength is. No matter what you go through in life, you're going to have scars. In your life, you're going to have them. And the thing is, you can look at them and they can fester your heart and you can be angry and you can be bitter or you can rely on the Lord's strength to give you grace and healing. One of the great things I like about this verse is the next word. He hath counsel. You know, the Spirit of God is such a precious person. You know, we grieve Him, we quench Him, and He still loves us. And we come to the Lord and have to confess our sin. But you know, He is such a wonderful counselor. 
I'm telling you, we live in a day where I believe people neglect the person of the Holy Spirit uh, because He is our counselor. If you read John 15, you read John 16, where the Lord talks about the Spirit of God and His coming, He's going to teach us, He's going to guide us, He's going to lead us, He's going to help us. So the Spirit of God is our counselor. And there's many times that I would be sitting and, and praying and talking to the Lord, and the Spirit of God would speak to my heart and give me comfort and encouragement and guidance and leadership and how to get to the next step in my life to overcome those difficulties that I had faced. If we neglect the work of the Spirit of God as our counselor and as our instructor and our teacher, then we're neglecting some very precious sweetness from our Lord that He has given us the opportunity to have with our Heavenly Father. I'm so thankful uh, that I live in this dispensation. I hear people say, man, I wish we lived with Moses. Hey, listen, Moses didn't have God in him. God just spoke to him. You and I have God in us. Everywhere we go, everything we say, everything we do, he's there to counsel us, to lead us. The next word is so precious. He gives us understanding. You know, when you go through suffering, uh, one of the things you think no one cares. No one's interested. And once you come to the Lord and begin to trust Him and commit your cause to Him and, and draw on His counsel and His wisdom and His strength and His understanding, God gives us that understanding. See, I understand some things far more than I ever did in my life. Why is that? Because I realized that I needed help. So here's the thing. You can never help people who do not need help or realize they need help. But once you come to God and say, God, I need help, you're going to have people come to you and the ministry, and they're going to have, talk to you, and they say, we need help. What are you going to tell them? Oh, read 10 chapters a day, you'll be fine in three weeks? No. That doesn't work. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to be fine. Uh, you know, the doctor said, go to the doctor, take a couple aspirin, take this, take that antibiotic, four days, you're fine. This is not like that. And you have to have understanding that God takes you through a process of healing. Uh, Dr. Vandergaard, when you had a heart attack, you had a process of healing. It wasn't overnight. We, we understand that for, feel, for physical things, but how many times do we not understand that for spiritual things or abuse or mental or emotional or physical? It is a healing time. You can't rush that. God has to give you understanding of how to handle that which you're going through. Because without that understanding that God has a plan, a purpose, and a direction. Every believer is going to go through chastening. Every believer is going to go through suffering. The Bible says that in the book of Hebrews. Every son whom he loveth, he scourges, he chases. Why? that he can bring us forth as gold. I'm not the finished product. I wish I could say uh, I was perfect. Boy, I'm not. Ask my wife, ask my kids. I'm far from that. But I want to tell you something. I'm surely not like I used to be. Because God gives you understanding of where you are in your life and what you need in your life. See, we do not know what we need. We think we do. We think we know a lot of things that simply is not true because of Christian life. I wish that, that God, when I got saved, had given me a paper. 
and wrote down how every church I was going to pastor, how many kids I have, how, many, how I'm going to raise these kids, where I'm going to go. Wouldn't that be neat? But why would you need faith? We know he, we trust him. We have to trust him that the paths that he takes us through, the valleys that we have. Remember this, when you look at Psalm 23, yea, I'll walk through the valley. We don't live in the pain and the suffering and the anguish. We get through it. And when we get on the other side, God's grace, God's counsel, God's wisdom, God's strength, God's understanding enables us for God to use this. So what is God doing in our lives? He wants to make us vessels that are meat for the master's use. And sometimes we have to go through things like I said before. Uh, my, God didn't want my dad to beat me like he did, but he did. So what am I going to do with it? I know what I did with it for 31 years, but I know what I've done with it after the 31 years. And that doesn't depend on me. It depends on God and me trusting him to do that. See, because we can't make it on our own. I would still be a bitter person if it had not been for the grace of God and that one message that was important in my life. Let me say this to you young people. Every time you read the Word of God or every time you hear a message preached, you allow the Spirit of God to fit that to your life. Because if you do not, you will miss a wonderful opportunity for God to do something amazing with your life. I often thought, what if I had not went forward that night? What if I had not allowed the Holy Spirit to work in my life? What if I had not confessed my sin of the bitterness and, and, and anger in my heart? Where would I have been today? I don't think I'd been in ministry. But I can tell you this, that was an opportunity that God gave me to make a change in my life. Called my dad, say, I'm sorry, I've been a sorry son, I was rebellious, forgive me. And he said, I love you with the love of Christ. He hung up and I'm still fine. You know why? Because I don't have to have his forgiveness. I just have to have the forgiveness of God and be willing to make it right. You make it right. It doesn't matter what happens, but if you've got it right, you can't make everybody forgive you. You can't make it right with everyone, but you, gotta, you have to try. You have to go to them and tell them you're wrong and you're sorry. So I did that. Man, when I hung that phone up, I had more peace than I'd had in my life. You know why? Because my bitterness was being taken away, my resentment. I put myself in a place where God can now help me and comfort me and encourage me and teach me. I think if you've ever been through any kind of abuse, you have a lifelong need for teaching. You need to be taught because so many things remind you of where you've been and uh, what you have gone through in your life. In Job chapter 12, I want to go there a minute. Uh, in Job chapter 12, uh, I want you to look at this verse again before we leave here. With him, with God, is wisdom and counsel. He hath Counsel and understanding. With him, he hath. The thing is simply this. Without coming to God, you'll never get over what you have. It will not happen, no matter what it is. It will not happen. Once we come to God and we've trusted him and we've sought his counsel and we've committed our cause to him and rely on him, I want you to go to... 
the book of Job, uh, chapter 29 and verse 3. This is what God does for you in the darkness and in the trial and in the difficulty. Job is talking about some past days, uh, but we want you to look at this in a present day. He said, when his candle shined upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness. See, here's the thing. When I trust him, when I commit my cause to him, when I rely on his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, the Spirit of God gives me light in the darkness. I would say, from my own experience, that abuse puts you in a darkness. It puts you in a darkness of fear, of dread, of anger, of bitterness. And that darkness comes from blinded eyes and blinded hearts. And once I began to follow that, that process there in Job, I began to have light. And I began to see that there's more to what I went through than what I went through, if that makes sense. That God had, down the road, that God had a purpose and God has a plan. And so I began to get light. And once you begin to get light, there are several things that you get light in. One of the things is this. If you go to Job 42, the last part of the book, I want you to notice uh, what Job says when he gets through. So here's the thing that happens. When I began to get light and understanding and counsel and wisdom and strength and committed my cause to him and began to allow him to change my heart and mind, my soul and spirit, I began to get light. One of the things that happened in the second church I pastored when I was going through my healing process with God, he gave me, and I, I mean, I don't want you to think I'm some kind of mystic up here that's got some kind of far out and left world somewhere. But I want to tell you, I saw God before I'd never seen him before. I'd seen him, I saw him in ways that I'd never known him. I was saved. I've been pastor for uh, four or five years. Uh, but I saw him in the eye of faith the way I'd never seen him. And I said, what do you mean by that? I'd never really, you know, when you read the Bible, everybody in this room believes God's love, right? We all believe that uh, God has grace and mercy and long-suffering and patience and goodness. We go on and on talking about God all day. Why? He's a wonderful person. Let me ask you a question. Are all those words real? Or are they just words in a book? See, once I began to get past myself and my hatred and my bitterness and my anger, and I began to look at God, I saw God in a way I never saw Him before. I saw what His love really meant. It touched my heart and changed my life. I understood what grace really is. And it's a wonderful, and I, I, I'm, like I say, I'm not Pentecostal, I'm none of those things. But I'm telling you, other than getting saved, that, that in time in, in the second church I pastored was one of the most wonderful time of my life. 
I mean, God became so real and so precious and so personal. I want you to notice what it says here in the book of Job, chapter 42. Look at verse 5. I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear. That's all of us. But notice what he said. But now mine eye seeth thee. In other words, Job said, I have a clear picture of God I've never had before. Was Job a religious man? Oh, yes, he was. Was he a godly man? Yes. Was he a man of integrity? Yes. Offered up sacrifices for his uh, children. He was faithful to God. But there's God, there has to come a time in your life when God becomes real. And he's more than just the person you trusted but he is the person that you can see with your spiritual eye who he is and what he is. And I'm going to tell you something, young people. If that's not part of your ministry, then you're not going to be used by God the way he wants to use you. Because he's real. And he is so personal. And, and I, I could stand here and tell you this morning, I was struggling so much, I didn't know what to do and how to handle things while I was going through my process. I started reading 50 chapters of the Bible every day. Instead of getting up at four and running five miles every morning, I was read 20, 50 chapters every morning. And God began to fill my heart with a love for Him. I began to enjoy the love of God. I began to enjoy the grace of God. I began to enjoy the mercy of God. I began to enjoy the compassion of God. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God wants to make God so real to you, but all my anger and bitterness and resentment and hurt kept that from happening. But once I began to trust Him and commit my cause to Him and, and rely on Him as counsel, His wisdom, His understanding, and show me the, the light through the darkness, my life changed. Because I saw who He is and I saw who I was. Look at the next verse. Wherefore, because I saw who God is, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. We'll never have a clear vision of ourselves or we'll never have a clear vision of the world until we have a clear vision of God. Does God want us to know him? Why, well, sure he does. What would Paul say in the book of Ephesians? That I might know him. Fellowship is his suffering. Resurrection. Life. He said, I want to know all about God. God wants us to know Him. He's not a father somewhere out there that doesn't want to reveal Himself and show Himself to us and tell Him how much He loves us. He does. But you know what we allow? Our problems, our trials, our difficulties to ground us and we don't consider who He is and who we are. We are nothing. You can say that. But Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. Why did Paul say that? Because he knew who God was and he knew who Paul was. And it's very important because, listen, the whole ministry, I've learned this, the whole ministry is about helping people. The whole ministry is being used of God to touch the lives of people wherever they are. And like I said before, I would never want any of you to experience what I've experienced as far as abuse goes. But I'm telling you, unless you come to the end of yourself, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Unless that vessel is broken in your life, the full joy and power of God 
you will not enjoy. He's a wonderful father. He's so precious, and he's so kind. And it took me a long time to see that. And like I say, I'm not mystical. I'm none of those things. I'm just a country boy from West Virginia that God, by his amazing grace, saved me and changed me and allowed me to be part of his family. And I'm so glad that the Lord has taught me much about life. And I want to talk to you just a minute about the gold time. We're almost out. But I want you to show you some things. I mentioned before that in the book of Peter, there are seven reasons why Christians suffer. And suffering, we may face a lot more suffering than we've ever seen before if our country goes in a different direction. We may have to stand and contend for the faith as never before. We never know what we'll go through. They, those that live God in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 4. And uh, I want you to, I'm going to read two verses. This is some of the why of suffering, what God's talking about, the gold. For as much sin as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. One of the things that it will cause us to do is to live a pure life. We've been through the trials, we've been through the problems, God brings us out on the other side and gives us victory and power over the flesh. I wish I could say I was dead to the flesh, but I still battle the flesh. You're going to battle the flesh as long as you're on this earth. Look at the next verse. That no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the, to the lust of men, but to the will of God. I look back now, and God brought me from a place where I am in the will of God. I want to do the will of God. The will of God is the most important part of my life. Pamela Reeves said, I have no idea who she was. I read it when I was going through this. It says there's no success outside of God's will, and there's no failure within God's will. And that is a very true statement. Because wherever God has us in his will, he leads us and guides us in direction. And the last verse I want you to see this morning is found in uh, the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 9, uh, or verse 10, excuse me. But the God of all grace, who hath called you unto eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered a while. Man, we don't like suffering. But after you've suffered a while, make you perfect. Establish you, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen, suffering has a purpose. Suffering has a reason. And God is trying to purify and refine our lives. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know a lot, but I'm going to tell you this. Wherever you are in your life right now, and you say, I've never faced any suffering, you will. You may never face persecution, but you will. You may never go through what I've been through, but you're going to go through something. And the strength is, is understanding he knoweth the way that I take. And when I'm tried, that tried is the hard part. I shall come forth as gold. God wants to remove those things in our life that are contrary to his will and contrary to his word. And it takes refining. It takes the purifying. My course, God had a purpose in that. And God had a plan in that. And I've learned to live with that plan and rejoice that it was his grace. 
that made it all happen. Father, you know the hearts of these young people. And I pray, Father, that the word from your book has been a help and encouragement to their life. Lord, I love young people because they're our future, future of the church, future of our country. If we can train up a generation who loves God, who will serve and die to self, then, Father, we can see you do amazing work in this country in the days ahead. Holy Spirit, work in every heart as you see fit.